Yeehaw, hello and howdy. Thank you for joining us on the Canon Stats Podcast, the weekly Arsenal Analytics Podcast. I am Scott Willis, and always, I am joined by my co-host, Adam Vogie. Welcome, Adam. Hey, How Scott. How is it going? going? It is so, so good. I am yeah. Yeah, enjoying the dream. And the fall is here. It feels like fall. I think I might make some soups here soon and really just embrace it. You know, start bringing out the, the Oktoberfest beers and just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just last night, I drank a wheat ale, which I would only do in the fall because that's about as far dark as I go. So really? No, I mean, I don't know. I, I enjoy a nice wheat ale in the, the summertime. You know, they're, they're yeah. a little bit lighter. The, the banana flavors that come into them. Yeah, I, I enjoy. My wife is a, a wheat beer aficionado. My hair okay. comes my my cat is joining us here now. You would have liked this. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, you know, I'm from the Midwest, so Oktoberfest is a big deal here. Mm-hmm. And we, um, many people from here do enjoy the very dark, very thick uh, stouts and porters and things like that. And I, some, I can, sometimes I, I enjoy it. Other times it makes me want to literally lose my lunch. <laughs> so. I like them, but it's a wintertime beer for me. Um, so yeah, sure. I, I'm I'm okay with the, the Oktoberfest, which are you know more like the the Marzins and you know the the darker lagers and those kinds that I think are fun. You know, you get more of the caramel flavors from the the malts and and everything there. So um, maybe someday we'll have to do a you know the beer stats. Uh, you know, talk through the different drinking and everything like that. Yeah, the beer edition of the Canon Stats podcast. Maybe that'll be a, a good international break one where we kind of talk through all There's- those. Drink beer while we talk yeah. about Arsenal or all yeah, of the Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely never done that um, in my entire life. Drink beer and talk about Arsenal. No, I stay stone cold sober while I watch sports. <laughs> it's the only way to do it. Got to keep a sharp mind. Absolutely. Um, so Arsenal played some games since we last talked. Um, they did. Champions League. We're back back under the lights um, and on the big stage. Um, that I was exciting. They- it felt yeah like everybody was up for it and ready to go. Yeah, no, that, so I had such a bad day on Wednesday because I had, so for, in my local time, that game kicked off at two, which means it's going to mm-hmm. end, you know, just before four o'clock. And I kid you not, I had, uh, you know, anyone who's an American or, or any time zone where it overlaps with your full-time work can relate to this. I had a meeting that was very much not mine to reschedule uh, from two o'clock to three o'clock. And then another one, same deal from three o'clock to four. And I didn't realize that until about full time on Sunday, the Everton game. And I, I looked at my phone because I always do that. Look at what the next game is. I did it on Wednesday to look at the Spurs, how, how long until Spurs. And I was like, oh, my God, no. Um, first game in seven years in this competition. And I, I literally probably barely missed any Champions League last season. Like I always have it on when I'm able to, to do that with work. Um, yeah, you can see you've got a, a game on in the background right now if you're watching the video. Yes, I do. Um, that is that is Bayern Munich and Manchester United, which is my. Uh, I'm sending a message here, so <laughs> <laughs> rubbing it in. Um, but thankfully, I did have my phone on me, so I did see an alert about 10 minutes after the game kicked off that Saka had scored, and I was like, "Silent fist pump." Yes, uh, I wasn't necessarily nervous. I mean, did you feel very nervous? That one felt. A little in control kind of right from the beginning. I feel like there was maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a PSV threat in the first half, but nothing like nothing where you'd be like, ah, this is a slog. This is going to be a struggle. You know, it felt it felt like we had that one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually a, a good spark, a good start or a good place to start. Man, I can't get my words out this morning. Um, 
but were you surprised by the lack of rotation? So yeah, kind of even going back to a pregame, um, I know both of us are probably more on the side of, we don't think there's going to be a lot of rotation, yeah. but were you surprised by the basically total lack of rotation? No, no, I wasn't. Um, I think, I think the day before the game or the morning before the game, I predicted, I think three total changes. I thought Ramsdale mm-hmm. would get in and he didn't, which, you know, we'll talk about more. It's definitely a bummer, but um, I, I think I was just thinking two uh, mm-hmm. changes in the outfield where I thought Havertz would start and he did. And I thought either Trossard or Nelson would start because Martinelli was injured and yeah. that happened. I wasn't really one of the people who thought that Gabriel or Zinchenko would rotate out. I know that was a pretty popular one. I saw, I saw Jorginho in a number of places just because he has the the experience, but um, you know, I think, I think it's just, we got a little bit of a paradigm adjustment here that we have to take on as Arsenal yep. fans. Um, we've been so used to, the midweek fixtures being so unserious. Yeah. Uh, and we saw that, I mean, Klopp is a little bit of an exaggerated example, but we saw that with a number of Premier League teams yesterday. Um, you know, Brighton were pretty rotated, although they had like Matoma out there. They had Estupinian in the game. Um, Aston Villa were pretty strong. They had a couple mm-hmm. of guys out, but, uh, you know, but Liverpool really just kind of threw out a pretty rotated lineup. Um, and, you know, they kind of paid for it. <laughs> Uh, they it took them a long time to really claw their way back into that one in a game in Austria, which isn't really the highest level of competition. So, um, but no, I really, I really wasn't surprised by it. Um, mm-hmm. This is like, this is what the, this is what the champions league is, right? These guys, I mean, how many of these guys gave interviews uh, when they signed, they talked about wanting to play in the champions league. They want, I mean, you know, the North London Derby is, is a big deal, um, but these, these guys are professionals. They can hack, a game on Sunday and a game on Wednesday. That's just like, that's the job, man. Absolutely. Uh, go look at um, Manchester city last season. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times Holland and Rodri were in on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then they were in for the weekend too. It's just, you know, and it's not, it's not really a case where because Pep does it, everyone else should. It's just, this is professional football. I mean, these guys are out there trying to win this competition we all came into this with zero points and maybe in week five when if Arsenal have 10 or 12 and the next team in the group has five, then maybe, yeah, maybe we'll get some rotation then. But I think we got to expect nine, 10 regular starters in all these games until that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, I, I came in with like maybe two to three outfield players rotated a match is probably going to be my baseline. Um, if it's less than that, or more than less than that, I'm not really that surprised. If it's more than that, I am starting to get a little bit surprised. I, the only one that I was potentially kind of questioning was Zinchenko. Um, and that really is only because of like how uh, cautiously he's been brought into the team thus far this season, um, yeah. where, you know, he's been given just the, the little bits of minutes. And then because he didn't, he had the injury kind of coming into preseason. And then he only started for the first time last weekend. So I thought, well, maybe because we're bringing him on slowly, he's got that little bit of the history of the injuries. Like maybe this is the one where we're going to, you know, maybe he gets the the last you know little bits to you just still get him as like some build up some more fitness. Um, so that was yeah. the only one that I was a little bit surprised at. But he did get the start. But with Tommy Asu coming in to, to relieve him, which I was, you know, really happy to be able to see um yeah. yeah um i was very very happy with the the lineup and it was good right um four it, was goals. Very, it was very good yeah four four very good goals too um i mean and and watching that back i had the experience I, so i got to watch most of the second half live but watching that back 
later, the first half, I mean, I, you know, I obviously wasn't sitting there and scrolling in real time, but Mm -hmm. um, I was actually even like a little bit impressed or surprised, or I don't know what the word was. I just wasn't expecting the number of goals that kind of got left on the pitch too. (laughs) Uh, I think Arsenal could have had more than four um, for sure. There were were some really good chances there. I mean, Jesus probably should have had one before he scored his, but I mean, his goal was great. It's, it was just really hard for me to find anything to really complain about. Um, and, you know, I said before the game that I thought PSV to have any chance they were going to have to sit back. That's not Peter Bosch, though, um, and that's <laughs> yeah, not PSV. So, you know, that they made the very interesting choice to not. Uh, they left a lot of space, and, that, I mean, they really got... Um, you know, they. I mean, on, on the plus side for them, they had some, some bright moments in attack where... You know, they looked a little dangerous. They tended to end in shots kind of right at the edge of the box, which isn't the best. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I uh, you trade that for a lot of security at the back. And they, I mean, they they have decent defenders by Premier League standards, but it's not like they don't have stars back there. So it was a very bold and probably stupid decision and they paid for it. But, you know, I guess be true to yourself, right? Exactly right. So I'm mean, yeah, I'm looking kind of at the metrics, and you know, in the the first half when the game was uh, still in the balance of things, the you know the field tilt was roughly fifty fifty. Um, mm-hmm. Arsenal had a you know some spells where they were in control. PSV had some where they were more in control. Um, and then you know, kind of after the third goal, uh, Arsenal let PSV have more of the ball, and then they just kind of take over. You know, after that fourth goal, be able to do it. Um, looking here, yeah, like PSV were able to generate twelve shots against Arsenal, but really none of note of like real like threatening yeah. quality their overall x cheaper shot was just you know five percent average here so uh, i still think a, a solid defensive performance from arsenal at stopping being able to do things um it yeah. did seem like they were perhaps targeting raya with some of the long range shots um you know seeing if they can maybe the the wet pitch skid it off when it would be able to create something but um he looked up to it right you know even the miserable rainy conditions didn't mm-hmm. seem to, to bug him at all so, yeah, I think overall a, a good, good performance from Arsenal here. Yeah, I mean, particularly when I think we've kind of skated by a little bit in Europe lately. Uh, you know, I think la- like last year, last season, I don't know that there was like a really comprehensive beating that Arsenal laid down in the Europa League. A lot of kind of one, two nil. I mean, PSV at home maybe was the best game that they played in the Europa League. And that was only two, I think. So um, you know, I think in, you know, kind of intensity and being up for, for, I mean, these guys, they're, they're professional footballers in, in the premier league. They don't want to go to Norway on Tuesday or Wednesday. They just <laughs> yeah, don't playing want on a classic to. pitch. Right. And they, and they didn't look like they enjoyed that at all. I mean, maybe with the exception of Marquinhos, right. Cause I think he scored mm-hmm. his debut goal there, but that's, uh, so, I mean, it's just a completely different mentality and it's going to be the same from Arteta. And I think, I think one thing that I really did like was his use of substitutions, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, for all the stuff that we've written about Emil Smith Rowe and maybe people being a little too high on him and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I was, I'm still really happy to get to watch him play. Um, really happy to get to watch Reese Nelson play. So I, I love that those guys got to come in, um, in the first game at the, at the Emirates in the champions league in seven years. It's very cool. Those guys were teenagers last time this happened. So, uh, and, and just, I think just getting, you know, getting your Zinchenko out, um, early, just making sure that they're, you know, nobody's gonna be able to second guess him using those yeah. guys for 60 minutes. So it, one of those things where it just kind of all fell into place. Um, I don't think he used Nketiah 
you know, he didn't have to, but yep, got to see Kai move to the, the nine. Um, what did you think of uh, Kai's game here? So um, I thought this was a, a good overall performance. Yeah, I thought it was good too. Um, I, you know, he's, he seems to be, uh, he really seems to be kind of tasked with almost like a glue guy kind of a role mm-hmm. right now where, you know, I think that it, it, because he's from Chelsea and because he's a hated player from blah, you know, from a hated rival and he came for a lot of money. Uh, I think from a PR standpoint, you'd want him to come out and be like ball dominant. You want him to make a lot of nifty skill plays uh, if he's not scoring goals. You, and obviously you want him to make a brilliant pass like Granit Jacka did this weekend or this week um, and set up some goals like directly and stuff like that. But it really seems like he's kind of like kind of, relishing this like role where he's almost like a he just he seems to be doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people um it can, it can be harder to appreciate he's pulling defenders out of position uh if you watch back a lot of the goals uh at least two of the goals in the first half he's right there yeah. <laughs> if, if there's if there's a miss if the if the player decides to pass rather than shoot Havertz right, is that, that Saka that Saka goal the first one right he's he's yeah. right there for the tap in should Saka want to square it or, or if uh, even if it got um, saved and a little deflection, yep. he would have he would have buried it. Uh, you know, you if you watch the comp that um, came up that I saw going around on Twitter after the game, um, making a lot of just off ball runs that aren't getting necessarily picked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one really nice one that Jesus did pick up, and Kai, I think, just kind of skied the shot. Uh, and then and then kind of later in the game, I thought he made a really nice pass to set up a. A Jesus attempt it would have been a hard goal to score but yeah absolutely um, yeah. you know it's it's one of those things where just extremely useful mm-hmm. I would say uh whether that's worth 65 million pounds is up to the holder <laughs> but you know he's not he's not a hole in the side he's not we're not playing with 10 men like some people like to say no I, I think that really kind of uh dovetails nicely with my thoughts on him as well um I, I think the other thing that I was really impressed with is again like just his overall you know, uh, presence on the ball. I think he only misplayed two passes all day, which was really good. Some very nice holdup play, um, mm-hmm. a little bit more involved. Um, I think you even saw there was the the one break opportunity where he makes a, a nice play um, and the ball's a little bit loose and he goes and recovers it and is basically kind of takes it off of Odegaard and says, no, nah, I got this. You go run, um, which was really nice to kind of see him um, kind of exert himself a little bit more. Because I think if there's right. one thing that you still want to see him, um, you know, add to his game at Arsenal is a little bit more of that aggressiveness taking control. Um, so I think that's a, a good first step. Um, I still think there's, you know, a few more moments that he could do that more often. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a, yeah, I think overall a, a positive day for him. Um, I think the big story, though, from this is the the David Raya stuff. Um, so yeah. there's stuff from John Cross in the, the Mirror um, suggesting that this is looking very permanent. So he says David Raya is set to become Arsenal's undisputed number one. Arteta views Raya as an upgrade on Ramsdale and has heavily relied on stats to back up his argument. So do you think uh, Edu and Arteta are Canon Stats subscribers? So um, <laughs> read, reading my so. piece on them earlier, right? So if they are, they're using, using pseudonyms. Cause we don't, uh, we don't have them <laughs> in the roster. Um, but I know, I think, I mean, you get, I think I remember this discussion kind of happening in probably what was it? Late 2021, 22 season about Kieran Tierney. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think that there are going to be, an, and, and maybe, I mean, maybe you can throw Smith Rowe into this bucket too, if it doesn't end up working out, but 
Um, I think that when you when you target being a top top team, uh, things like this are going to happen. And yep. now it's been two games. I don't know that this is permanent. Um, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel it to me. It doesn't feel the same as Ramsdale displacing Leno. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, we'll I'll take kind of these reports with a little bit of a grain of salt because Arteta has said some things that make me feel like he was being pretty genuine. Uh, you know that he wants to have two. He said he wa- there's been times he wants to make a goalkeeper substitution, um, unless he's just like a real big. A politician um, that that strikes me as pretty genuine. The other thing is that we do really have a lot of opportunities for both people to play, uh, in my opinion. So, um, you know, Ramsdale's on a big contract for a keeper. I don't think they want to just sit and waste him. But I mean, could could he lose this battle to Raya? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if he if he does, then you know, Arsenal are probably going to move him on. He's not going to want to sit in his age 26 season and be the second choice. Yeah. Even if Arsenal are a great place to be, even if we do have really positive results, he just, he's not going to want to do that. Nobody does. Um, we saw, we saw Granite Jacka leave for the exact same reason. And, you know, he's playing great at Leverkusen. So why wouldn't you want to try to do the same thing? Yeah. And I think the, the interesting thing is that uh, the biggest part with the, the Leno uh, Ramsdale one, I think is the, the difference in the, comfort with the way that they play inside yeah. of how Arteta wants to play. So I think that the Delta there was massive. Um, I think Ramsdale is comfortable being a quote unquote modern goalkeeper. And I think that that is clear and that Arsenal were fine with Ramsdale, but the Raya thing is someone that they really coveted. And, you know, once this became something that was an option that you had to jump on it, um, it seems like we got a, a bargain, I think, for this kind of where you think that, you know, someone of David Raya's quality could have gone for a transfer fee. So I think that that's something that, you know, we we think we, we, weren't, we weren't expecting to upgrade on this position in the summer, right? I don't think if you you came at the end of last season, you're like, all right, what's the, the must have? I know when we went through our list of, you know, what's the must have positions that we needed to do in the summer, neither of us wrote down goalkeeper, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think either of us really expected David Raya to come available at this kind of opportunity. So like if that had been presented to us, maybe we changed our mind. I don't know. I still, you know, would have been a, actually I probably would have gone for it because I'm, I think less high on Ramsdale than other people are. But I, I think that this is much more of a, an opportunity presented itself and we had to take it versus this is something that is holding the team back. And, yeah. you know, it's a, a massive area. So I think we are getting to the point in this team where players that we really like and players that we think are really good are going to have less opportunities or, you know, being able to bring in that next player is going to displace players that, you know, have a lot of fans. <laughs> We're no longer pushing out Cedric's um, in this team, right? The the people absolutely mm-hmm. uh, despise, like these are all players that we think are very good. And yeah. that's just the, you know, kind of the reality of getting to this point. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I, I'm I'm a slightly disappointed that he didn't take the opportunity to use his last sub to bring on a goalkeeper because I think it would have just been absolutely hilarious just to say, yeah, see, oh, yeah. I told you I was going to bring on a guy like 70 minutes for the situation. <laughs> that I agree. That would have been extremely funny. Uh, I Now I wish he had. I didn't think about that in the moment. But 
yeah, it's you know, it's gonna be. I mean, it's. I think it's gonna be um, a thing that we have to just deal with a lot more and more. Um, you know, I, people desc- a lot of a lot of people described it as kind of like ice cold or or ruthless or whatever. Mm-hmm. But and I think I think that yeah, you know, it is. It is. It is a results based business. Arteta's job at the end of the day is to like get Arsenal to the very highest point that it can possibly get. Um, and if that means that you know, you've got a player, whether it's Ramsdale or whether somebody like Martinelli takes a step back this season and, and gives us reasons to be concerned about his production or, you know, somebody like Gabriel or even like silly, but you know, anyone, anyone who is becoming uh, to a point where not necessarily a detriment, but not optimal. Um, mm-hmm. And they have an opportunity to, to improve on that. That's what they're going to do. That's just, that's the business, man. So, um, you know, I think, I think liking these players definitely makes it harder and having, having these players like like Ramsdale if that's what happens or like a Kieran Tierney where it's like they're not a bad player yeah. but you could you can do better um and that's kind of where i think some of the some of the uh conversations kind of get hung up is this this concept of like you can do better on this player or this player needs to improve um they're fine now but they need to be good or great um but we have a guy who maybe is that, or at least closer to that right now that we can get, um, you know, that doesn't mean that he doesn't rate Ramsdale. Uh, I think it just means that Raya to him is better. Uh, Raya hasn't faced a huge test and I think he'll probably get his biggest test on the weekend so mm-hmm. far. Um, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we saw Ramsdale against Brentford, but um, yeah, it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see because it's there. He really has been, in these two games, he's really not even been a thought, right? Because he's barely been challenged. So, so we'll yeah. see. But he's passed extremely well. Yep. Um, so I, I know the other thing that I was kind of noticing while I was watching the the Champions League this week is that it feels like the the group stage is kind of boring. I don't know if if you've ever kind of noticed that. Where I was looking at the the stats of the matches and they're just not close. Um, so there was a couple of them that ended up with the, uh, you know, kind of numbers that were close. But when you looked at like the actual performances, it's mm. just becoming more and more lopsided. Um, maybe this is because Arsenal have been out of the competition for a while, but I don't think this is a new thing. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I wrote about that this morning in the, the regular newsletter. Um, and I'm still excited for Arsenal to be in here and I'm going to watch every single match, but I do find myself while the other ones are on, um, you know, more interested in just like, Oh, let's, let's see some fun goals. So I know Paramount plus does the, the Galazzo show. And I, mm-hmm. I enjoy that versus sometimes watching a specific match, especially when there's not a two, I think really good teams kind of going up against each other. So I guess, where are you on the, the group stage for the champions league? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, it was, it was a tough week for intrigue for sure. Uh, yeah. I th- a lot of the matchups were pretty were, were not necessarily lending themselves to that. Um, or at least the ones that did were not the biggest, most exciting clubs in the world. Like I know, I know Copenhagen and, and Galatasaray played a good game, but like, is that right? really yeah. drawing a lot of viewers? Uh, so I, I watched Newcastle and Milan and mm-hmm. that was a game that was also yeah, pretty, zero zero, but yeah, it was, was... pretty lopsided. Um, mm-hmm. Newcastle, frankly, did not look up to it at all. Um, and, and so that should have been a loss and they're, they should consider themselves extremely fortunate that they came out of that with a point. Um, I think Milan gave them that point, frankly, but (laughs) yeah, it's been, I think, I think once we get like three games in four games in, I think they'll, they'll start to the, the, 
stakes will start to feel a little higher because it's going to be, you know, if we don't get a result from this, we drop to fourth and we're five points out of second. And then all of a sudden we're really screwed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like we didn't get a lot of the big Goliath versus Goliath fixtures this, this match week for sure. And the only, doesn't help that the only one that we did really was Manchester United and Bayern. And that ended up being a little bit of a bloodbath. Um, the, the, the scoreline is very deceiving uh, because that was really all about Bayern. Um, and they didn't even really create like that many chances. They just like took care of business or, or Onana let it in yeah. uh, and, and the game just kind of took off from there. So. Yeah. Do you, do you see the, the United fans, uh, you know, uh, big upping, uh, was it Athens the for beating Brighton? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you guys just got beat by Bayern Munich. Uh, take this L and yeah, don't First worry about all. it. <laughs> First of all, you are Manchester United. Like you should be, you should not be chatting to Brighton at the, at any, at any point, give them, Absolutely. give them five to 10 years of champions league style, like results before you even like consider them in your conversation. Second of all, is that really how bad? I mean, I guess we know the answer to this, right? That's how bad it's going in Manchester that you have to cheer for a Greek team to beat Brighton in the Europa League. Like that's your that's your highlight. I mean, I guess we've all been there, right? Like mm-hmm. I I enjoyed Tottenham not really being very good last season in yeah, the Champions this, League. Does this suggest that Brighton are now rivals with Manchester United? Like, do they see them that way? Like, this is a team well, that just beat you. Like, why, this is not a good look for you at all. Does this mean you're worse than Athens as well? Like, I mean, I, I'm not Chelsea getting... fans be like, are Chelsea fans going to cheer for whoever plays Nottingham Forest this weekend? Like, I don't, <laughs> that would be pretty sad, right? So it would be very sad. I think I think they should probably just mind their own business. Uh, they clearly have a lot of affairs that they need to get in order because that is as messy as Arsenal has been over the past few years. Like, that might be significantly worse. So, mm-hmm. and and they're also just not playing well on top of it. So, it's it's a nightmare. But the Europa League this this and the Conference League was highly entertaining yesterday. I thought um, you know Liverpool ended up being kind of a an exciting like last 20 minutes to the game, Brighton and Athens going back and forth and West Ham being down for a lot of that game. Villa lost uh, with a almost their full strength side in Poland. So that was a lot more upset friendly, those two leagues. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I think for the, the last part of part one here, I wanted to, to circle back to Bukayo Saka and his start of the season. So this is something that you wrote about um, yesterday, kind of just putting his start into context and like I've seen some stuff where it's like oh maybe he's having a bit of a slow start or he's having doing that and I think that is absolutely wrong like he has been sparkling yeah no I mean and that's that's why I wrote it because I felt like the the conversation was a little bit like oh Saka looks off he's not you know and then and then the Achilles thing happened like he's been carrying this Achilles and and people were like, oh, that makes sense. He looks like he hasn't been playing, you know, and I, and I was like, why, really? Like, he looks off to you. And then I started looking at even just coming into uh, PSV where he got a goal and an assist. I think he had um, like, what was it three and four or something like that? Like, I, and those are I mean, that's the most basic number that people can pull. So normally when that number is big upable, like the players getting big up, you know, so it just felt really strange to me. So I just kind of went and looked and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the goals and assists are probably going to slow down from uh, what is, is he at like five and seven or six and seven, something like that, including community shield. But um, 
you know, so interestingly enough, he's doing so much more carrying than he ever mm-hmm. has before. Uh, the, his touches are up about 10 per 90 minutes, which is like 20% over last season. So the building is happening down the right a lot and he's doing a lot of carries. Uh, I have, I have him at 5.6 carries per 90 right now. And he was doing five last season, 4.2 the season before. So you're seeing like the incremental growth there. He's creating a lot more. And despite having so much more of the ball, like he's turning it over almost never. So to do all this and to be scoring goals and to be getting assists and to lead Arsenal and expected assists among the regular starters, uh, live ball chances created. I mean, it's just, it's, it's been crazy. I, if he keeps it up all season, like we're talking about like player of the season type of year. Absolutely. Right. And I think this is something that, you know, you think about what has to go right for Arsenal and it's uh, Bukai Saka needs to continue what he's been doing previously, maybe even take it up a notch. And I think that he's absolutely delivering on that. And so it's crazy to me. kind of think people are discounting what he's been able to do. Um, I also find it a little bit disconcerting that people are wanting to see less of him um, because this is a guy that I want to just see him all the time playing. And Mm -hmm. like, I understand like, you know, there's a little bit of that, you know, the worry, I think there's the, the Jack Wilshire, um, thing that hangs over a lot of this for Arsenal fans where he also came in uh, the bright spark, the young player breaking into the team, um, all of our hopes and dreams kind of placed onto him. And he just got uh, decimated by injuries and was never able to fulfill the potential. But I don't know, man, Saka is just so good that it's, it's hard to imagine him coming out of the team and people wanting to limit him makes me, feel like the the team's potential is limited overall yeah it's 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 like a ptsd reaction really like uh you know if if somebody slides in on saka and breaks his ankle and suddenly you know saka's got a really bad ankle history that happens after that i mean listen if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen like we can't Mm -hmm. prevent that the only way that you can prevent it is by literally not playing it (laughs) But here's the thing, like this, this is his, this is his career. This is what he's here to do. He's here to play. I guarantee you, he doesn't worry that he's being overplayed. I guarantee you, he does not worry about that. He's probably more worried about when he doesn't play. How, how can he change that? So he does. Um, It's, you know, I think there's a lot of people concerned that we're, we're wearing the, the tread off the tires too quickly with him. But, uh, you know, somebody said, somebody told me once regarding Saka that, um, a set of tires only has so many miles. And my yep. response, my response, I was actually, I'm somewhat proud of it. My response was, well, use then use the tread to see as many beautiful places as you can before they're gone. You know, uh, if he, uh, if, if his career is shorter because of how many minutes he played when he was 19 years old, um, you know, then I would just be concerned with making the best out of it as possible. And really, I mean, what's the difference between a guy coming into the lineup and playing a ton of minutes in their late twenties and lasting until 33 Versus a guy doing it in his late teens, early twenties, and lasting until they're thirty, it's a net, it's a net no effect. So, yeah. at the end of the day, I think our, you know Arsenal are just going to look for the W every time they go on the pitch. Sack is going to play when he's fit, and even sometimes when he's not fit, he's going to play. And we just, we just got to wrap our heads around that. Look at Holland's minutes last season. Look at Rodri's minutes last season. Look at Vinicius. These guys are playing every game. In Vinicius's case, it's like even even in a league where they were eliminated from winning that that, that <laughs> league last season, yeah. he was still starting for those games. So 
just, and it's just a cost of doing business. Yeah. And I think the other thing that comes to my mind too, is that I, I look at the window kind of where Arsenal are at right now. And this is the the best this team has obviously looked in what going on a decade. Um, I think you Probably, could, you yeah. Know, yeah, going back to like maybe some of those uh, mid 20, uh, you know, teen years where Arsenal did challenge things, you know, maybe those teams are in a similar level, but I think this team is better than those. Like this is a team that I still feel like, we could go against anybody in the world and not be, you know, I don't think there's anybody, even Manchester city. If when we go up against them, I, I, we're going to be uh, underdogs, but it's not going to be overwhelming underdogs where we feel <laughs> like we have to like smash and grab to be able to do it. Um, Cause I know you think back to like the, you know, the middle 2010s and like we'd play against Bayern Munich or we'd play against Barcelona and yeah, we beat them a couple times, but it really did feel like we had to play as like true underdogs. We had to play, change our style, be able to do things differently. And I don't feel like this team, even when we do match up against, you know, what would be the other best teams in the world would necessarily have to do that. We wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to hope for, um, you know, being able to defend um, and then break on the counter to be able to create our chances. So it feels like to me, like this window is special and we have the chance to win or at least compete for the biggest prizes. And we can't do that without Bukayo Saka. And yeah, maybe we are potentially doing a trade off of uh, if we had, you know, managed his minutes a little bit more, like maybe like later in his career, we might be able to do some things, but that's going to come at the expense of what we're going to be able to potentially achieve this season. And to me, like, I know it's, you know, it's always a hard thing in the, um, to be able to kind of make these trade-offs, but it's like, I want to win things. That's why we're here. That's why we're excited. That's why we love this team and why we get excited. Like, you don't, yes, we'll have great memories of last year. You know, we, it was a, a second place that we weren't expecting being able to do that, but you don't remember the the second place trophies. You don't remember those ones. You remember the ones where, you know, you get to hang a banner, you get to put a new um, thing on the ring of honor at the Emirates with some trophies on it. So that's really, really what I hope to be able to do. And I think we need Bukaya Saka to be able to achieve those things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, with, with, uh, with Martin Odegaard extending this weekend, it, it kind of, I mean, one, one important point, I think that we need to kind of add on top of that is, it's not reasonable to expect even a really well-run club to get everything right over and over again. And I think where Arsenal are right now, they've gotten so much right. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether like to the, to the, what degree they were right can be debated all day long, but this, I mean, this, this was a side that was starting from next to zero um, three years ago and they brought in Odegaard and they brought in Ramsdale and they brought in Ben White, huge risk for 50 million pounds. They, then they bring in Gabriel Jesus and they bring in Alexander Zinchenko. And now, uh, now having another summer with Declan Rice and Kai Havertz, who I know hasn't convinced everyone, but we'll see Yuri and Timber. Uh, this, these are, these are all moves that are looking like they're really working. Mm-hmm. And obviously Saliba, uh, Gabriel right before that Thomas party. So, I think you've got all these pieces now. Is there any guarantee that if Ben White leaves or if Odegaard, you know, if somebody, when we have to replace somebody due to age soon, uh, that we're going to get that right? No. So you've got the guys now. You've, like you said, Scott, you've got the team that I think on paper is right up there in the top five, four, three in the world. Yeah, maybe maybe two, right? Like, I I mean, maybe who, who... 
right? Like, I mean, I, I was kind of looking at it the other day, and it's like, who would I put above Arsenal? Um, I know for, for sure Manchester City. After that, I, I, I kind of have questions. Like, after that, like maybe Bayern Munich, maybe Barcelona on their yeah, best Barcelona, day. Barcelona, Real Madrid, maybe yeah. Like, but that's, like, I, I, I don't mean. PSG, like, like they brought in, they had a very busy summer where they brought in a lot of talent. So, like, maybe that all gels and comes together. But it's like, I, there's no one is questionable or unquestionably above Arsenal right now of that group. I I would tend to agree, as uh, as afraid I, as I am of eating those words in the spring. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just on paper. There, you're right that we're in a unique situation. A lot of the giants have fallen back closer to the rest of the pack. And, you know, the, the English premier league right now is in a position where it's got so much power. So why wouldn't you put everything you have forward? And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the pitch that gets Stan Kroenke to put out 200 million pounds this past summer and maybe another hundred on one player this next summer is that this is the chance. This is, you know, we always talk about the super bowl window here in America. This is like the, this is like the, a, a really big window and, not, I mean, I just mean like a significant window might not be very long. So go out and win as much as you can now. And that's going to involve, like you said, a lot of Bukayo Saka, a lot of Martin Odegaard. These guys are not going to the bench unless they have to. And even then they're probably going to be pissed off about it. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's the, the way we like it. So I think that's a, a good spot for, for part one. Um, so some housekeeping, the show is supported by our much appreciated premium subscribers. Um, you'll get at least five additional articles per month, um, additional premium podcasts. So I just had one with uh, Michael Cayley from the double pivot. Um, so that one's available for premium subscribers. Now, um, the other thing that you'll get is our everlasting gratitude because you help support all the things that we do. Um, we, we really appreciate everybody that subscribes and makes it possible for us. So thank you guys. Um, so yeah, next, uh, topic, Northland and Derby. The big one. It's coming. Uh, yeah, you ready for it on that. Sunday? Yeah, right. You, you t- <laughs> it it oh, hasn't no, I, uh, totally uh, occupied all the space in your mind and, and worry. You know, it's it's actually been nice to have the Champions League on the same week because it has kind of taken some of the... That's some a good of point. The, yeah, it's like we didn't even have Europe, um, you know. So it, it's, it's, it's an improvement, I think. I would rather have kind of a a barrage of big games um, mm-hmm. where we don't have time to sit and freak out about every single thing in between. So, so that's nice, but no, I mean, it's, def- it's been circled on the calendar since the beginning of the year. Like we knew, we knew September, it's September 24th, right? We knew that that day was going to be the, the North London Derby. And, and as we've had all these games where Spurs are getting more and more, you know, kind of like praise and momentum <laughs> in the press, it becomes a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. So, I, I mean, it, it feels very big at this point for sure. Yeah. So I think it gives me too is like my worry level with Spurs has gone up um, over the last couple of weeks because I think that they are a better team than I kind of anticipated going in. Um, I've wanted to discount heavily what they've done, um, but I find myself potentially working into the narrative that we all made fun of so much last year. Uh, where, you know, all I remember, I don't know if everybody remembers this one, but the, the Athletic asked a, a bunch of their writers ahead of the first North and London Derby about their predictions. And everybody was like, well, you know, uh, Tottenham haven't hit their stride yet, but they're still picking up points. So uh, adv- imagine when they do do it. And I just can't help but see the, the echoes of some of the stuff with Arsenal. 
Um, Arsenal haven't hit their stride yet this season. I think that they've been significantly better than what Tottenham were at the end of last or at the beginning of last year, where they were winning points. But there's still just that little bits of naggingness that are making me worry that you know maybe this is a, a harder game than we anticipated. So I don't know where you're at on the scale of worry. On the scale of worry, I mean it's it's an interesting. It's an interesting time for sure, because I think that you look at their results and, and yeah, I mean, I think they've come out a little bit better than I was expecting. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing that, that is just kind of sticking in the back of my mind is I don't, I don't know if they've been as, I don't know if like the actual results on the pitch have backed up the narrative if you get, if you catch my drift, they've been, they've been very consistently creating like right around two expected goals every game. Yeah. Um, and they hung, they hung five on Burnley, but every other game has been two. So mm-hmm. you look at that and you're like, well, two goals a game is good. It's, it's yeah. a good, it's a good attack. So, you know, I think that they've had, but they've also had some, a lot of things go in their favor. Uh, like Manchester United missed so many chances against them. Uh, so they, I'm kind of like, in the in kind of the in between of where you are and not being worried at all, like I do not, I do not uh, think that well, I'm, I'm actually a Spurs fan, like as everybody knows, right? So you're Judas, of course. But you know, I think I think that if I would be, I think I'd be more anxious as a Spurs fan actually, because Big mm-hmm. Ange has got like a really interesting kind of dilemma on his hands Absolutely. here. Because do you? He he told the press today. I think it was today. Um, that he, you know, we're going to play our style, mate. You know, we're not yep. going to change a thing. Mate. Um, and and that is potentially the most brilliant idea possible, or potentially a huge invitation for a lot of problems. Uh, we saw, you know, we have Arsenal have not seen basically anyone who's done that this season in the in the league. So. Yeah, not you know, even Manchester United. Like, right? They they came in like with a, a game plan where they had more of the ball, but they had more of the ball in a very controlled, slow. Like, they just wanted to slow the game down, keep the ball in their own half, kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. then I don't think that's what Ange means when he wants to play his ball. I don't think so either. I think he wants to get it up, and I think he wants to attack. He's got you know James Madison on a tear right now. He's got Son looking good again and right yeah uh, he's got a, a little bit of a renaissance coming moving to the center forward spot he's got the renaissance yeah he's uh it's so i mean one i was kind of like going through prep before this um and and you know there's a lot of really interesting things going on with spurs statistically right now so obviously you've got some xg over performance like the, the side the side in general is finishing at an extremely high level Mm-hmm. But you would also um, one interesting thing about Spurs is while they're not they haven't like given up, you know, like the worst uh, XG uh, conceded like in the league or anything like that. But, um, you know, they've there's deserved to give up about seven so far. They've given up five deserve to score mm-hmm. about nine and a half. They've scored 13. So there's some big like, you know, will that will that keep up forever? I mean, com- compare and contrast Arsenal nine point three nine scored four conceded four conceded. So yeah, uh, I, I just was curious about this. So I looked at shooting statistics specifically and in terms of like um, opponents performance, uh, um, sorry, Spurs are, have had the third worst shooting performance against them in the premier league so far. 
Yeah, so, so are you looking at like on target or the the post shot or both here? Uh, just NPG minus XG. Okay. So uh, Fulham, West Ham, and then Tottenham in that in that order. So there's some interesting stuff here because to me that says, okay, let's say that Spurs decide to come in and actually play their their game. Um, that means that they're going to be vulnerable at the back, which I think objectively speaking is just a truth. Like Pedro Porro, Yudogi, uh, Romero, like these are not guys who are like shutting down attackers, right? This is like an aggressive group of defenders who is going to also make mistakes. So uh, the the bad thing for them in playing that is they're also playing some of the best attackers in the league. Uh, Gabriel Jesus and Bukayo Saka, I think like have to be in the top 10 if if not better. So I just think that they could be inviting a lot of issues here. Manchester United have not been off to a good start. Um, the only team that they've really played that has looked good at all at any point is Brentford. And mm-hmm. that was a draw. So yeah. And, and Brentford was, had some big chances to win this one. So I'm you know, looking at the you know, kind of the running XG. Um, so yeah, Spurs go up early in that one. Uh, Brentford get a penalty. And then they add a second and then they have a chance right before halftime. That's huge. They miss Spurs equalize. And then, you know, they had a couple more chances to, they really could have put things away um, to get, make it three, two. Um, so yeah, that one was, I think definitely one that on the balance of chances, Brentford probably should have done better. I think there's a yeah. similar story with Manchester United too, right? You think about that first half. Um, I think I wrote at, you know, tweeted out at the time that like, this is one where I came, um, this is right before Arsenal played Manchester United. So, you know, I'm, you know, really interested in what they're doing. And I'm like, Ooh, Manchester United looked good here. Um, in that first yeah. half, like they really kept Spurs out of dangerous locations. They had like three good scoring chances. They had what the, there was a Bruno Fernandes chance that he misses. There is a Marcus Rashford chance that he just misses. And then there's a couple other kind of like half chances. And I'm like, man, they are just like cutting through them here. And I was uh, worried about Manchester United, but now I'm thinking uh, maybe Tottenham are there to, to to be to be gotten with, right? I mean, I think I think that if we, you know, one thing I've been trying to do, like rhetorically, philosophically, is like, what would people say if Arsenal were getting those results? Like, mm-hmm. what would we as Arsenal fans be saying if we were sitting here with four wins and a draw? Oh, sounds familiar, by the way. Um, <laughs> but with with the same results, right? So Burnley, two point two to one point three. On XG, they conceded two. They scored five. They scored five on 2.2 XG in that game. Uh, would people be convinced that that was just like a complete shellacking? Or would they say, well, we got more than we deserved from that? Um, you know, and Burnley, I'm sorry, have not been good at all. Uh, so, so I just, I, I, I have, they have a little PSV in them, right? Where they are, they, uh, so they're, they're trying to play their style, but they're trying to play their style with, uh, the talent level that doesn't uh, live up to being able to you know, impose yourself that way. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be boomer bust basically with that. When you, when you go in like trying to play that positive style with lesser, lesser talent, you're going to, you're going to nick some stuff occasionally, but you're also going to get your rear handed to you sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was, Burnley, we've seen this kind of with like Norwich, like in the past, right. Where they, uh, have come up and, you know, they've had a couple really kind of nice moments that, you know, really go viral on Twitter, but it's not really uh, something that works long-term. Right, exactly. And so, I mean, Burnley have had that problem, but Burnley have played, I mean, Burnley have played kind of a brutal schedule to start the season, but their best output so far is against Tottenham. So, yeah. 
uh, I think I just, there are enough questions for me about what's going on with them that I'm not completely convinced that this is like a, a turnaround. Um, and, you know, God knows we've had how many years in a row with this club where they have come out and looked great or been in first place at the end of August and then something changes and it just doesn't work anymore. So I'm kind of, I'm still, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just being stubborn. Maybe I'm just being an Arsenal fan, but I'm still kind of betting that this is not the real level of Tottenham Hotspur this season. So whether Arsenal are the ones to help them discover the real level, you know, I would love to be that I'm not, for sure. But if, if big Ange is going to come out and play, you know, an open style, if he's going to mm-hmm. press aggressively, if they're going to really try to actually bring the ball to Arsenal, like I, I put my money on Declan Rice. I put my money on William Saliba. Um, Raya is going to start like we, we know that. Um, and I just, I have a lot more faith in the personnel for Arsenal mm-hmm. for sure. Particularly yeah, once mean, you get into defense and midfield. Exactly. So they like to, so they, they they line up nominally in like a, a four two three one type of shape. It's kind of like a, a four three three almost at times too, uh, but out of or like when they actually have possession and they're building up, they like to really push up uh, the wingers to hold the width. They push up their midfielders, so it's a really like a two three five that we've been seeing. So it's in a very aggressive shape. Um, you know, we've seen Arsenal go more with like a we've we've seen the two from Arsenal, but a lot of times it's more of a, a two and a half, two and a half five. So yeah. we we really kind of like alternate that third guy, um, and Ange has really pushed up and been a lot more aggressive to where sometimes it's even like a two one two five, um, where they're really really aggressive. Does that mean or does that make you excited? Kind of for the the thought that you know Saka might not have the double teams and triple teams, and he might be able to exploit a little bit more space. Um, yes, I'm really kind of bummed that we're not going to have Martinelli in this game. Because I think he would have feasted on you know the space that's left on their left hand side, um, because yeah, that's a was that that's Poro's side right where he is just uh, Poro, a, yeah. Or and if it's not Poro, it's Emerson. So either way, you feel you feel great about that. Um, you know, I feel I just feel like they have the same problem on either side, which is that they've got attacking players. Yeah, has been has been very good, but man, like I I worry about him vacating that space and leaving their center backs on an island. And I mean, I think I think for this like two three five type of style to work, I mean, first of all, you need I think you need a midfielder who can really help you control like the transitions, you know, so that you're not so easy to break against. But like at the the huge thing for me is I I need a keeper that's really good. And I need two center backs in front of him that are really good. And do I, do I think that Vicario is that keeper? I mean, he's been pretty good so far, um, Mm -hmm. but do I trust him? Like, have I seen something to convince me? No, but more importantly, do I think that Christian Romero and Mickey Vandeven are that center back pairing? That's going to be like sweeping, sweeping out, stopping moves like Saliba and Gabriel do like, no, no, absolutely not. If I have if I have a three on two happening and it's Odegaard and Saka and Jesus and they're going up against those two, like I feel very good about that. I just do yeah. because Romero is probably going to make a bad tackle and give a penalty or a yellow card, or or just like get run run past because he try, attempts like some kind of stupid decision. You know, it's just too aggressive. So I th- I think I, I just I have a lot of doubts and I 
you know, I don't, I hate making predictions, but I think Arsenal are going to win by multiple goals. Yeah, I think there's a, a good chance of that. Um, I, I think we might I just, I, I felt so uh, more relieved. I think seeing Arsenal be able to attack space against PSV, that I think that there is a potential that there might be able to be something here. Um, the the vibes coming from Postacoglu suggests that he's not going to change things. So that space might be available. Um, mm-hmm. I think Gabriel Jesus really reminded us of his performance, uh, that this guy is still one of the best attackers in the league. And we've kind of been uh, discounting him a little bit too much. Or really just like the absence of him has kind of yeah. made us uh, lose kind of track of what he is capable of because wow what he did against psv was really good um so i think starting from the top there um we all agree i think we all agree jesus is is starting against spurs right yeah absolutely i think that's got to be the one um is it trissard on the left or nelson i think it's going to be trissard again i think i think arteta showed i i yeah, no, I, I, I think I, mean, I think to take it like there, there wasn't anything in the Champions League match that Trissard did that made me think uh, this guy lost his spot, right? No, absolutely not. And, and one of the nice things about having Trissard out there is that he can make like he can make the opponent pay um, for giving him a relatively small like opportunity to score. Mm-hmm. Like his chance against Everton was not a not a great chance. Like it was a beautiful beautiful play to set it up. But like, I mean, what was XG on that? That was probably like 0.08 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Smoked it. Um, and, you know, the and same off thing. The, and off the post is such a pretty finish too. Yeah. And exact same thing against PSV. Like that's basically from the edge of the box, right footed. Uh, so I think he's just, he's doing so well with those chances that, you know, you combine that with like just the general ball control and the work rate and the the ability to create for others. I just think I think it's got to be him. As much as I love Reese, Reese coming off the bench at sixty minutes is also a really good thing to have. So yeah, I think that might be the the thing here, right? Let's uh, if we need something, especially like re, you know, go yeah, go cover Trissard for sixty five minutes and then uh, bring Nelson on, who I thought also had a really nice cameo against PSV. He's like on um, a hot streak he- of that. Yeah, he, he's he's healthy. I think he's got some of that power back into his game. Um, and he's always had the technical level to kind of go with it. It's just his body has always let him down. So um, I think it'd be really exciting to see him come on. Um, and then I think uh, obviously Saka is going to play. I think Odegaard <laughs> is a lock. The other one that's kind of open for debate there, I guess, then is the the left eight. Um, who's, who are you leaning towards? I think, you know, I think that Vieira has earned it. I would give, okay. I would give Vieira the start. Um, I, with, with Declan Rice behind him and Saliba and Gabriel also in the lineup, I feel a lot more secure playing Odegaard, Rice, Vieira than I would normally. Havertz, I, I mean, if Arteta starts Havertz, I will completely understand because I think that's giving you a lot of, a lot more control over like, if it, if it turns into like a basketball game, right? Like you would trust Havertz to make some, some really key ball recoveries and things like that, that maybe Vera is less, but I think that the, the nice thing about Vera in this match is that if those spaces are getting left uh, and, and runners can find them, Vera can find those runners. Absolutely. Like that's like his bread and butter. So kind of like Ange has a dilemma. Arteta's got a little bit of a dilemma too. Like, do you try to control the game like we have for the first five league games? Or do you look for the guy who's, who's got the, the ability to, to pick that lock? 
Yeah, I kind of go back and forth on this, right? Because like, you, I can think of like Vieira, if like we're going to play on more transition, like I feel like his passing in that transition game is very good. Um, mm-hmm. He might be up there like even better than like Odegaard, I think, at some of his transition passing and being able to, to find the spaces and pick him out. Um, but then I also kind of think like, all right, well, if Spurs are going to come in to press, I kind of like the idea of if we want to play over it quickly to be able to try to create a little bit more, like maybe Havertz is a a good target and he's also been very good. I think at getting some of those second balls, uh, Mm -hmm. giving us a little bit more of that size. Um, You think about, you know, Declan Rice and Havertz in there trying to win some of these second balls that we have up there. And then you have Jesus and Havertz as like targets for being able to go long. And like both of those guys would be really good. So I I can see, I can talk myself into either option right now. And I think I'd be, be happy with, so I, I don't think either would shock me. Um, and I, I'm kind of like, I, I don't know. I'm, and I'm glad I don't have to make that choice. Uh, Declan Rice feels like a lock uh, for the center of midfield. Um, mm-hmm. As much as I love Jorginho, he's not playing uh, or he's not starting this game. Not this one. No, I, and he'll, he'll get, he'll probably get in for Brentford too. So it's, yeah, no, I, I totally, and one, one thing we haven't even like talked about, but is a great, I think a great like justification for Havertz maybe being in this lineup is I thought that he and Raya like showed really good like chemistry on some mm-hmm. of those long passes. Like Raya seems to really like finding Havertz with those and Havertz uh, and Jesus between the two of them, just like some of the, some of the balls that they brought down so well against PSV is yeah. insane. Like multiple, like beautiful first touches that, really ended up making a big difference. Like Jesus a couple times, one, I think a shot that he missed and one on his goal, just like bringing it down. So like, I don't even know how you do that. And right. Yeah. Like bringing it down on his chest on like a 60 yard ball. That's like, right. Like just like, it's nothing. Yeah. Just it's like, yeah. I, and there was one where Havertz, like, I think he used his front foot. It was his left. And he like, Kind of while he was like, while he like, was grappling right with the guy too, yeah. like, he, like both of them were holding on, and like he like wraps his like leg around, and yeah, it was beautiful. It was yeah, I mean, just beautiful first touches. So uh, you could you could definitely see that being kind of the idea. I think I'm not. I guess I don't really fear like a pressing front three of San Kulisevsky, um, Madison, and who else would they on the left? Maybe like Solomon or Richarlison yeah. or like that. That doesn't necessarily put a lot of fear into me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. I could talk myself into either left eight. I think those are the two the two choices, though. Yep. Um, and then at the back, are you making any changes? I think it's it's sticking same. at four. Um, it's looked good coming back. Um, I think we've been very nice to, to have Zinchenko back in the team. Um, yeah, he just adds something special to be able to, to do that, to build that double pivot with Rice, and it just makes it really good. And then I think you we already said that you're sticking with Raya here. Um, yeah, I, I think it is too, right? I think all the all the the smoke has suggested it's David Raya um, starting, and I'm not surprised by that. No, and I'm not. I'm not either. It's going to be interesting. So this is obviously a big league game. Uh, first Champions League game was big before that. So you know you've got those two right next to each other. It's going to be interesting as we get into like one of them is a cup game, and then even even the league game after that is I think Bournemouth, and then. And then you got a Champions League game after that against Lons. And I think you could you could see Arteta maybe deciding to give Ramsdale a game or two in there. But I think generally, like when we've got these high stakes games, I think he's going to ride the hot hand. And mm-hmm. that is very much Raya right now. Um, Ramsdale is, you know, he, he's great. I think I think he's very much an above average goalkeeper to good goalkeeper. 
think with him, you kind of get like, you kind of get the variations though. You get the, the way the peaks and the valleys and you don't get that. Like, I think his peaks are as high as any keeper in the world, but mm-hmm. his valleys are, are as deep as a bad keeper sometimes. And Raya seems to be more predictable and reliable in that sense where they've got similar skill level, I think just volatility mm-hmm. and volatility can kill a title charge. It can kill a champions league, uh, second leg, you know? So, I mean, yeah, right. Champion. I think it can, it can put you behind too easily. Right. Cause that was the thing that's killed us at home. Like in, in so many matches is that first shot goes in and it puts Arsenal under undue pressure of needing to fight back and scrape, um, to be able to do things. It's, so it's, it's not necessarily, and I keep going back to this. Like, I don't think Ramsdale has had like any massive howlers. Like I haven't, I don't remember anything like the Onana goal that he conceded from Ramsdale per se. It's just a lot of the medium quality ones where it's like, it would have been nice if he could have gotten to it. Like he just misses. Cause I think that when there's the really hard ones, like he does actually do a lot better than expected. Like he is a yeah. great one-on-one keeper. It's just those like ones that are like in that, like, 40 to 60% savable rate that he just under does a little too much. Yeah, no, I agree. I saw, I saw a really good post um, somewhere on Twitter this week that, that basically said like Raya may never be as good as Ramsdale was at Anfield last season, but he'll never be as bad as he was against Southampton. And I think, (laughs) I think like, that's a good way to put it, right? Just the volatility is, is, is it can be too much. So, you know, am I, am I taking Ramsdale out of the team? Am I, you know, emotionally moving on from him? No, absolutely not. I think he's going to get import, some important games this season regardless, but um, you know, you can, you can understand it. So. Absolutely. Though. I don't like replacing guys. I like, I like when they, I like when they like take a huge step forward and become Ballon d'Or nominees like Saka did and Odegaard. Like I didn't never want to replace those guys. So it's just, there's definitely an attachment to Ramsdale. So it's, it's tough. Right. And it's like, why, why can't these like guys just be an asshole? And then we can like feel bad or not feel bad about like seeing yeah. them like lose their spot. Right. It's just, this is game is not fair. It's not yeah, fair on fun of the stuff. Yeah. It's, it's very easy when you dislike the player. Like I never, I never liked, well, I pro- probably did for a, for a stretch, but toward the end, I never liked Genduzi. So like I was never, Never felt bad about him leaving. I was like, okay, good. Like, get out. Yep. But very much the opposite with Ramsdale. So, no, I, I appreciate you calming my nerves uh, talking through Spurs where um, I have my, my tendency to to want to, like, overrate my my favorite team and, you know, get them uh, feeling good about their, their chances against Arsenal. So thank you, Adam, for, for helping me there. So hopefully this was good for everybody else as well. I'm the, yeah, I guess I'm the voice of reason, and I'm I'm gonna feel a lot of personal responsibility if Arsenal do not win by multiple goals because that's my prediction. Uh, I hate being wrong, but also like just getting stuff wrong in general just it makes it, it makes for a lot of introspection. So I'm really counting on Arsenal like handling business here, and please God, no <laughs> like thirty yard James Madison screamer goals because. I can't take I can't take the narrative of Madison being so much better than Havertz. It's just driving me crazy. So Kai Havertz to score Madison to not. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah let's 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 mark it down as a, a lock. Um, put in your bets. A, yep, put a, put it in, right? <laughs> that worked so well last time, right? You gave me betting advice. Well, I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna give you any any more hot picks this weekend. So we'll other than this one, we'll see how that goes. 
There we go. All right. Well, I'm about to go put my, my life savings on a, a Havertz goal and Madison zero goals, and we'll see how it goes. Um, all right. Yeah. Hope you guys en- enjoyed listening to this one. Um, always a, a, a favorite, you know, a good thing if you go give us likes, reviews, um, all the wherever you listen to, to podcasts, uh, stay up to date on Canon Stats. Um, best place is just to, to subscribe to canonstats.com and then you'll get an email. Um, or if you get the Substack app, it'll give you a notification when all the new stuff comes. Uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you on the next one. Cheers, y'all.